Welcome everyone to the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. We're back after not recording last week. We, we didn't at all, did we? No, we didn't put out an episode. We played games. We changed the Bun Bun House. And then we had a big chunk of last weekend was journeying an hour to get their nails clipped. That's right. It was Bun Bun Hoppy Hour. Oh, yeah. Hoppy Hour. Which has never turned out well for our buns. No, this is third time and it was not the charm. Because we thought, oh, the bonds can't get any worse. Like, like they're not bonded right now. So we might as well just let them play with all these other buns. And maybe they will be chill because they see all these other buns and then they'll see each other and we're like, and we'll be like, oh, we're still okay. And they weren't. No, it was Asta's first time at a hoppy hour. She had several firsts at hoppy hour. It was her first one that she went to. Because mm-hmm. before we would just like get her nails done and then run away. Yes. Fun fact for this bun bun who creates the smelliest poops. Like it's a wave. Mm. It's like a sometimes a stench wave. She doesn't need her scent glands cleaned as often as Mr. Nicholas. Yeah. But so it was her first time socializing with other buns. And it was her first time mounting other buns as well. Yeah, she mounted this poor elderly bun that was like 11 years old. And at first she was just wanting to be friends with him. And then she wanted to assert dominance. And then there was another, It was she did it twice. Then she did it to Nick. And at that point we're like, and we're leaving. It also... Oh, that's um, right, it was Nick. I thought it might have been another bun. But no, no, it was Nick. Um... And it was getting, Hoppy Hour was bumping by that time. It like, seriously was. There were so, so rabbit owners do not go in the midst of the bunnies. You want the bunnies to be safe. There are volunteers from the organization who manage the bunnies. So like if one is getting aggressive, they go. Pick them up. They get like a little arm timeout in someone's arms and yep. then they get re-released. So. And all the chairs for the owners are all around the outside. And they were all filled by the time we left. Yeah, and we had gotten up and were moving around to try and catch them, and more and more people just kept coming. With carriers of bunnies. Yes. So there were like, when by the time we left, there were a solid 30 rabbits. Probably. In a, were... Because someone showed up with like, I swear, a dozen bunnies. She had four. No, there was one, she was with someone else as a couple, and they kept taking trips to their car to bring in more carriers. It was for no, that might have been all she is carrying in the first wave, but like they were piled out in the hallway. Oh, that's right, yeah. So it might have been like someone who's fostering a lot of rabbits, a super foster, yeah. But it was, it got to be a lot. It was like bunny overload for our buns and for me, like there was so much going on in us trying to keep track of all three of ours at the same time. Like one of us needs to be Maddox and make a dupe so that we can each be assigned one bun because yeah. at other times I would be like, okay, I know where Asta is. I know where Nick is. Okay, now where's Nora? I was getting whiplash, like whipping my head back and forth, trying to like, where are they? You could only keep track of two at a time yeah. at any given moment. And there was... One Nick lookalike, except he was slightly darker. Mm-hmm. Nick is in his light winter coat face and his opera cape. Yes. And then Asta had at least two lookalikes, maybe three if you include four, if you include the two all white ones. Mm-hmm. But Asta has a little gray nose and yeah. gray ears and little gray boots. Yes. And Nora. There were 
two, maybe three Nora lookalikes that did not have the white nose and did not have the white glove. Yes. And were slightly darker. Yep. And those are up for adoption. So if any Bun Bun parents... In Minnesota. If you are looking for a Bun Bun... And there's some that like Lavender has been up for adoption for over a year. Yeah. And she just wants a bond mate and someone to give her She's greens. So She's this perfectly white rabbit. Cute little pink eyes. Yeah. I wonder if she, her eyes are like Asta's that turn slightly blue in sunlight. Oh, yeah. It's weird. It's like kind of blue, but also kind of pink, but not in a purple kind of way. Yeah. So that's what we did last weekend. Like Bun Bun yeah. Care basically consumed an entire day. Yes. Between like getting them loaded up, driving there, ha- them having time, then getting back and then recovering from said experience. I know. I rage cleaned for four hours, four and a half hours. Yeah. I did the floors. I moved all my action figures so I could oil soap the all the things in the basement and mm-hmm. in my room when I vacuumed my room. I swept and mopped the kitchen and the entryways. I also with the banisters. Oh, and then I cleaned my bathroom. Mm. Like, it was a lot. I played one game of Wingspan beforehand. I'm like, oh, I should do something. And I didn't quite anticipate going as hard as I did. Yeah. But at least it's clean now. Yeah. And uh, I came back with all the buns and just, like, laid on my couch. Did Asta come up to visit you? She didn't. Dear listener, fun fact. If it is very hot and I'm sleeping downstairs, for instance, and the buns are romping, in the middle of the night, a bun will hop either onto my chest or right in front of my face. <laughs> it is very scary. <laughs> or if I get up way before Daryl Dad and I go in the living room couch to take a nap, Asta will jump right in front of my face. <laughs> and she'll be like, oh, what is this? Is this like something I can climb? <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, goodbye. Yeah. Um, in other news, so you... Since the last time we recorded, you had little binge sessions and finished all of this run of X Factor. I did. I made all the poor life choices and stayed up until like 1, 1.30, yeah, 11. We're not in college anymore. No. <laughs> and I say that about 11 as well. Like, if I'm up at 11 on work night, I question my life choices. And then the next day, I'm like, what the fuck were you thinking? Right. Like, you know better, but you still I, in my case, I still did it. And yeah. I'm like, I, this, yes. Well, this. you reach a certain point where you're like reading at night and you're like, well, I'm already up this late. Like, what's, have, one, what's one more issue? Yeah. What's one more? And then like five issues later, you're like, oh, but now I'm in the closing plot line. It's like the end of DS9 where it flows from one to the mm, other. Yeah. And ties things off. And you just can't stop in the middle. No. Um. I, I have been reading a lot of Silver Sable. You have. And what an icon with that headband. Yeah. I, oh, oh, she fell. Oh, bitch fell. She was down here in our little recording studio. Oh, thanks for pointing. Oh, she lost one of her guns. Oh. Um, I found the Marvel Legend. Apparently, they released this in 2019. Oh. Um, she needs these sculpted leg bands. They're like a Cyclops one. Oh, where they slide down. Where they slide down. Um, but I really like her. She's like, she is the original head bitch in charge. She is the HBIC and owns her own company, has this really mishmash group of mercenaries. She heads up her own country. What? Yeah. Is she Doom? No, (laughs) although she has had friendly relations with Doom and that's in a couple issues. Oh. Um, and 
I met up with Gordon Purcell, who is a comic artist. He worked a lot with um, Star Trek comics. Like he's known primarily for Star Trek because he does the likenesses so well. You already had a few pages from him from one of the things we went to, right? I had a couple pages from him. Um, I had the last page he had available from the one Avengers issue that he drew in the 90s, which is Avengers, oh, like 263. Is that the Gambit one page you have? That, that's no, that's else. Black Knight. Oh. Black Knight had a lightsaber oh. in the 90s. What? He, yes, it was wild. They wore a lot of leather and his sword was a lightsaber. Um, so it's that page of Dane Whitman that I got um, by total happenstance. Um, and then later we saw him at a different con. I got a page from his DS9 TNG crossover, like Riker and Odo are on it was it will Riker or thomas Riker? i think it might be will Riker. oh i'm not sure um i haven't read the issue should probably do that if only luxana was there so anyway i reached out to gordon because he's local and i saw that he did silver sable i'm like hey you know i'm the dude who bought your last avengers page with the lightsaber and um do you have any pages from silver sable left and he's like ah i only have a few left and he sent me a list and uh, I mean, then I looked through the actual issues and decided which images I wanted. On our Instagram, you can see the splash page from the very last issue of Silver Sable that he did with like the entire team minus her. Oh, yeah. Um, which looks really cool. I got a double page spread, which is the entire team in action from that issue. I got a sad girl moment where she's really contemplating life, which resonates with me almost every single day. I mean, wasn't, is that the one where she's like, what do, is, what do normal people do? Yes. Is this a simple life? I ask that every day. What do normal people do? I, I don't know. Um, so that one really spoke to me when he sent the pages to me and I was paging through stuff. And then I um, bought the last page from an issue that features a character named Chen, who's a lesbian. Oh. Yeah. So um, I think she might have been like maybe the only lesbian character that was out at that point in time it was like 1992 yeah. 93 right wow. around north star coming out chen was a lesbian nice so um super interesting reading through all that and then chatting with gordon i met up with him at our local comic store on the way home on friday um we do appreciate our local comic store yes and um gordon also did work with peter david on some Star Trek stuff, and also an indie title called Soul Searchers and Company. And on the IDW website, I was looking through their Star Trek stuff, and there's like a whole bunch, and it didn't even include the newer ones <laughs> that I was looking for. Um, they had a best of Peter David, but oh. it's digital only. I or oh. I have to figure out how to somehow get a hold of that. Yeah, because we're a fan of Peter David. Yeah, so I got Gordon told me like, hey, they just pumped out this omnibus volume of soul searchers and company where it's my issues with peter david nice. so i got that from amazon and it's it's not like a marvel omnibus where it's like a bazillion pounds <laughs> and super expensive like it it's a slim volume but it still has like 15 issues nice or something as like 25 bucks so i'm gonna read through that and um he said he has a ton of pages from the soul searchers run so That's he's like, cool. if you want any pages, like, let me know. I'll look. 
So nice. I'm excited. It He said that it is very Peter David in terms of being um, his humor and his style of writing. I'm like, well, that's what draws me to loving Peter David as a writer. Yeah. Is it, his writing, but also his way to incorporate humor and touching moments and things like that. Nice. So, yeah, we've had a, a busy time away from the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Even outside of work stuff. Yeah. So uh, we are working towards a bigger event. We're having our own crossover coming up too. I'm not going to say anything more, but it's in the works and it's coming probably in March. Sounds fun. It's a lot of fun. So uh, aside from all that, we're here reviewing three issues again, 44, 45, and 46. The 45. It is the 45 with a big moment in it. Oh, there, I think you could say each of these comics has a big moment in it at this point. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, we're going to dive into it. And uh, the next episode is probably going to be the following three issues. And we're probably going to take an episode just for issue 200 yeah. slash 50. Uh, we'll get to the numbering shenanigans when we reach that. But that's a hefty issue. And even in Marvel Unlimited, I got to it. I was going through it. I'm like, oh, this seems long. And it seemed and like it kept more. going. And then there's all sorts of data stuff at the end. It was, yeah. That part was cool. Yeah. So that'll probably be a standalone episode when we get to it. But why don't you kick us off with issue 44 and what it says in the beginning? Because, you know, it's been a while since we reviewed some issues. Unless you're binge listening to this, dear listener, at which point you won't need this description. But we'll give it for to the anyway. story beats for the snark. You need to be here for it. And this is from John Barber, the editor, not Peter David, because it starts out with, all right, I know you all love the Peter David written recaps you usually get, but he's busy entertaining the world with his stories and can't make this issue. So you're stuck with me, your editor, once again. So, okay. A while back, Madrox and another X-Factor member, Siren, were having a baby. When the baby was born, Madrox reabsorbed him. Turns out he wasn't actually a baby, but one of Madrox's dupes. Siren was, um, let's say, unhappy about that. So Madrox, to be fair, he went off on his own and was about to kill himself when he was confronted by a hologram of a teenage Layla Miller from 80 years in the future. She's teenage? I... Because mm, uh, mm, she there, was older. She was older, and there was some sort of weird calculation somewhere in one of these issues. I think there was some fuzzy math, and then they yeah. landed on her being tw- going from 15 to 21. Right, except she did not 15 when she was younger. She looked like she was like 11. Yes. So there's some weird math. I think they're trying to balance it out. Yeah. Because how old is Madrox? I think with the sliding time. That was in one of the letters. I think Peter David puts them all in their early to mid 20s. Right, with a sliding time scale, even though Madrox was introduced. I think he might have still been a minor in... That, that fantastic, fantastic four issue like he was 18 he was but he was billed for 18 but that also might have been the style yes um and working the farm all on his own yes so um oh no where i lost my page on spot in the page so she she was layla was a member of x-factor when she was a precocious young girl but went into the future with madrox but it's not the madrox she went into the future with a dupe madrox, she did who then she blew up yep is where they got their M tattoos on their faces. Madrox basically came back, long story, but Layla's been trapped there for a while. He didn't really come back because his dupe was blown up. 
you're really poking holes in the and this is not Peter David writing this. This is an editor. I know. Maddox follows Hologram Layla into the future and meets up with the real Layla, as well as the resistance forces of the Summer's Rebellion, a mutant-driven uprising against the Sentinels who rule this future with an almost literally iron fist. Those resistors include the elderly Scott Summers, formerly Cyclops of the X-Men, and his daughter Ruby. Something weird is going on in the future. People have been seemingly blinking in and out of existence. See? Weird, right? Anyway, back in the present, some X-Factor, Siren, Longshot, Monet, and Darwin are serving as bodyguards to Lenore, a depowered mutant. Lenore's mother attacks her daughter and winds up in the hospital. Monet, a telepath, reaches into Lenore's mother's mind and suddenly attacks Longshot, her eyes glowing. No, seriously, you just forgot the glowing part? Well, she says Cortex. And, oh yeah, in the future, Madrox and Leila kiss. In front of a sunset? It's a very pretty visual oh i wonder if the emphasis on the glowing eye part was like they did not edit that in but they reference Um, it here interesting i mean that has to be tough for anyone to step into a synopsis page like that i'm thinking of my own writing and if i'm like oh i'm busy philip can you like catch people up on like the past three chapters i wrote like i know everything in my head and if there are changes from like Throughout the process, yeah. you may still be hung up on an earlier version. Yeah. Like, that's definitely a thing. But we don't start with the glowy eyes. We start with Madrox in front of a window in a dilapidated building. Yeah, everything's uh, a ruin in the future. That's what I've learned from a lot of different things. Yes. Um, Honky, but also he's scratched up. Because this is only a month after Terry was breaking oh, yeah. him. Yep. Trying to get the baby back. So wow, a month. Yeah. And so Mandrox is giving a little bit of a recap in his little green text boxes. He was all set to die. Terry screams in his head and built in his heart. It was just too much. And then Layla showed up and upended my world mm. again. And it is it's like t- a Diana Ross song. Upside down, you turn me. That was a good song at the concert. It was. We all sang along. Diana needed a break. So <laughs> It was all of us just singing along. I think that's when she disappeared for a costume change. I think so. The and band it, just kept playing. And, we and the were, backup singers were so good. Yes. So Layla sees the scratches. They seem to have had a moment that night, though. Um, and Madrox, like, has a moment where he's broken down. Like, he hasn't... It sounded like he was walking in a stupor from Detroit to Vermont yeah, during that month. That's a long Without walk. processing anything. Yeah. And now that he's sort of back to himself in a way. He has time and space. It's just a different time and space that he has it in. Right. And is actively working through it. Mm-hmm. So he breaks down a bunch. Um, but And Layla is there to help console him. So Ruby and Scott are there to witness it. As he says, I'm, at least Scott and Ruby are here to witness this. <laughs> so on the plus side, they had laundered his clothes. That's nice because don't they say they, they stunk or something too? Yes. Uh, Maddox asked, did you wash my clothes while I was asleep? Which is very Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I love that movie. 
You do love a good Howard Keel moment. It has not aged well. I mean, I love a Howard Keel moment from Dallas. You love a Howard Keel moment from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Seven's Groundy Backwoodsman, the Ponape Brothers. Oh, yes. We all had our favorites. Anyway, um, Ruby said it was self-defense because they smelled like you'd been wearing them for a week. And Mandox corrects her and says it was a month, but who's counting? Ew, you think you could like stop by a stream? And like, did that thing where you like wash your clothes and you like bang it with rocks? Oh, I don't think he would have been in this state to do that. Why did they bang it with rocks? Was that them like agitating? Yes. <laughs> and like to the scrubbing, like when they say washboard abs and literally washboards. Well, I know what washboards are, but I mean, like when you're like banging stuff on a rock, like banging a rock onto your wet clothes. Yes. That something to do with getting the stains out. There's a reference to that in Hairspray. Oh. Yes. I haven't seen Hairspray forever. I mean, the John Waters version. Oh, at least it's in the newer one. Oh, I didn't see that one. Uh, Hashtag not my Divine's not in it. No, thank you. Um, so they're walking along the pier. And are huh, trying to like have little conversations as Ruby and Layla talking about, oh, did you bang them? Ha ha ha. And then Scott and Madrox. And Madrox is trying to um, get to the bottom of it and like, this is my investigation. And I'm, you give me a challenge, Cyclops. I'm seizing it with both hands. So, okay. I can respect that. Yeah. And they mentioned going to see someone, but we don't know who it is. Oh, someone who's still alive. Yeah. And it's not Reed Richards. So. Well, would Reed still be alive? I don't know, because he's already older than most of the other folks. It's more mature. Hmm. Is the Grey Temples. So we go from then to now with Monet choking Longshot for our half splash page. Dirty, sexy Monet. No, that's a, that's a splash page. I know, I'm used to them being two pages. Oh, that's a double page spread. Oh, so this is the norm. That is a splash page oh. with the title of our issue. Dirty, sexy Monet. Yes. So they do... Th- the reference to the glowing eyes is now because the panels we're seeing fr- it from from Monet's perspective yeah. and there's a pink tinge to it before it normalizes and even the text bubbles are start out empty and then you can barely read them and then you can see the letters mm. so that's a cool art thing yeah it is well done so Darwin's trying to check up on Monet and she even kisses him because oh that was very sweet and Darwin is just like flabbergasted so they're back the doctor's (laughs) someone comes in the doctor's on his way it's lenore and they're like we're we're fine everything's fine oh lenore has to be named after lenore zan yeah has to be that's my headcanon me too if i was writing the synopsis page i would put that in because i'm not peter david no uh, Monet reveals that in her mental probe, there was some sort of psychic feedback and a barrier in the subconscious. And it seemed it was placed there. Interesting. Yes, which we've seen more recently, as in the newest issues that came out last week, that or a month, two weeks ago, that you can create a mental block for someone else. Yes. Lactuka, which seems awesome. So... Um, they determined the mother was being controlled and Longshot couldn't quite hear what the mother had said. He thought it was Codex or Cotex. 
and they land on Codex because that's a type a thing. of book. Yeah, it's a thing. They don't quite get to saying that Codex is a tampon brand, mm. but which it is. Yes, just pointing that out to everyone who didn't know that, but I'm pretty sure everyone knows that, right? Why At least would, in America. I don't know why they would dance around men's delicate sensibilities and not being able to say things like it's tampon. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So they talk about getting Lenore back to her apartment because that's where she is a target. Maybe not put the bait in the hospital. Mm. Um, so, but they end up going to a hotel penthouse. So it's Darwin, long shot. Siren and Monet are there. And yeah, Longshot's moment with Lenore is now over. Um, she's like, more or less, I mean, I think you're still, you know, totally hot, but I completely understand. As much as women are attracted to me, they eventually, they are equally repulsed. Yeah. It's a yin-yang situation. Oh. So. I need to read more about him and Dazzler. Oh. I need to start reading the Uncanny run where I left off a few months ago. Oh, is that where Still he's Still stuck there. Oh. We're in the Outback era, which is really good, except I think I stopped because I just need a change of pace. Oh. Sometimes in comics you need that. That's true. Oh, we have another splash page. It's a full page of Monet looking super sexy, Jeez. and Darwin is what? coming undone. So I'm glad you added undone there. I mean, he sort of is, but yes. Alan's so he is basically like, is the Darwin equivalent of like the Looney Tunes draw, jaw dropping to the floor. Pretty much. Like, auga. Yes. Reaction. So we get to the hotel. It's just Darwin and Monet and Lenore at this point. Long shot sort of is done yeah the, the repulsion is was too real mm-hmm. and we got back to siren drinking from a very fancy bottle and at the bottom of the page we get are you out of your mind and uh, it's yeah. val cooper it's val cooper she's still hanging around yes new hair same cane same cane she went to the hairdresser she was very concerned for terry and Terry's sobriety. Yes. She's like, you work so hard for this. Like, and as she's going off, Simon is like, it's water. In the middle of Val's rant, where she's like, you can't just can't sit there guzzling wine like it's going out of style. And wait, what? You're drinking water out of a wine bottle? And it's the way that Terry puts it is it is the alcoholic equivalent of safe sex step three, twelve. turn your lives over to god so i'm leaving it in christ's hands and if he really loves me he'll turn the water into wine if he doesn't it's further proof of something oh so terry's not in a great spot no she's not and she's about to tell off val that there's no way that she could understand and val reveals she miscarried five years ago mm. so they have a healing They've moment come, yeah they have some common ground that yeah. was unexpected. Yeah. So now we go back to the future. Har har. There's a lot of that. Yes. We're doing a lot of time hopping. Mm-hmm. So uh, they re- Layla reveals that the team is all dead and that someone is up there 
and it's like a creepy glowy eyes and a hand from behind curtains mm. for the up there yep but that's all we get from the future so we go back to lenore's situation lenore has had some wine so have darwin and monet but lenore has gone hard she is passed out on the couch she's not gonna have a great time when she wakes up like sometimes wine hangovers are worse wine hangovers i think are the worst because there's so much sugar involved oh like there's so much sugar plus the alcohol so you get dehydrated and then and a sugar tum yeah Dear listener, we don't say stomachs anymore. We say tum-tum because Nick has all white, very soft fur on his tum-tum. And when he rolls flops, you can see it and it's adorable. It is. So Monet is coming on hard to Darwin. Like she shoves his face into her bosom. It is very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable and it's very unlike her. Yes. She even strips off her half top thing. She had a crop top. Yeah. And strips off her little mini skirt. And Darwin is like, um, he has figured it out. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you because, much as I went hope and pray and dream, it wouldn't be this easy. You're not this easy. So stop messing with me. And she turns into like little purple circuits. She does. And is she naked by this point? She is. So, uh, Listener, as we go on describing this storyline in this issue and the following, Monet's naked. Yeah. But not like human naked. It's very pixelated, purple. It's it's purple circuits. Yes. So it's, and there's like, we're, I would prefer to think of it as like a cat suit, second skin situation. Mm. Because she's relatively indestructible. So she, maybe it just grows on her skin that way providing some sort of cover because there's a full frontal situation she is naked yes naked monet and says that you weren't on cortex's list but there's always room for more and that's the issue i'm sorry dear listener i might have lost my place a few pages looking a few times looking at the pages all right so i have the next issue it's 45 which has a really dynamic cover and it has Shatterstar ripping through a previous cover. Yes. Factor. You can tell because it had like the, the gaggle of dupes at the bottom. Yep. It was one where they were all sort of looking inspirationally into the future. Like issue 41 or 42 is just a few issues ago. Yeah. And Shatterstar is slashing his way through it. Yep. Um, so what happened last issue? 80 years from now, Madrox is assigned by an aged Scott Summers to figure out why key members of the Summers Rebellion are disappearing and reappearing. Sensing a time paradox, Madrox resolves to go to the one living person who might be able to supply answers. Nothing else that happened last issue is relevant. <laughs> However, the issue before, Guido and Richter track down the Reverend John Maddox, a dupe of Madrox is now living as a priest, hoping to find answers about their missing friend. Instead, they were attacked by Shatterstar. Next issue, a letters page. Check out the announcement at the end of this issue. Yeah, because, dear listener, we have several plot lines happening at once within this arc. Plot A, Madrox and Layla. Plot B, Monet and the attacks on Lenore. And plot C, where Greedo and Richter's road trip. Yeah. Boys trip. So we start out 80 years from now. 
and we see some hands tickle in the ivories. What do you think this person is playing? It's got to be one of those like annoying Baroque pieces. Oh. Like one of those like Mozarty ones where it's just like, look at how good I am. I do like Baroque and I, I like Mozart. I don't. I know you don't. Um, and then we pan out within a few panels. It's a very fancy scene. Like it is a grand piano. There are chandeliers. There are some vases. That is out of place for the rebel that we have been seeing before. And we have a butler basically saying, hey, there are some people to see you. And we see this shadowy figure. We've only seen the hands and the silhouette pull on some gloves and reach for a mask. And it looks suspiciously like Dr. Doom's mask. But there's some fun megalomania moments in there. There are. Or am I skipping ahead? Um, so, uh, oh, this is um, concerto number two. By who? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> um, he, the person does say you have a good ear, Winston. Our mind is not on our Rachmaninoff. Rachmaninoff? Sure. One of the angry Russians. He did a lot of like very complicated sounding piano pieces. So he is admitting here, like, I've done it better before. I'm, you know, a little distracted. Yeah. We cut to our team of Madrix and Ruby and Layla walking through a, a hallway that is rubble. Yeah. Um, and Madrix is explaining why he's helping, why he's going along with this. And they approach a door that Ruby knows where this person lives and knocks on it. And the butler opens. He's like, greetings, visitors. And it opens. The door opens all the way and it is Doom on a throne who says, what boon do you seek from Victor Von Doom? Very magnan magnanimous of him. It is. We're cutting to the past. We have Richter Maddox. Mad yes. Maddox. Yes. It doesn't quite look like him in some of these panels, but we know it's him from the description. Mm -hmm. um, so Shatterstar is after Maddox and everyone. Probably everyone. Yeah. There's a kill list, and I'm sure that Maddox is on it. Richard defends himself with a chair. The uh, the Reverend tries to point a gun and then gets a chair thrown at him. Yep. And we see some panels of Shatterstar, his eyes purple. And glowing. And glowing. And we cut to another person's eyes glowing. So it's like this person is mind-controlling and can see through. And it's a slightly orangier glow, and it, but also might be because of the weird it's like sunglasses. orange goggles. Yeah, they are sort of like ski goggles. Oh, and we read, I finished Generation X and the all new X Factor with Gambit and Polaris oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, where they had those like weird orange monocles, but you get two of them. Duocles. Duocles. Anyway. All right. So. This person is basically pondering, you know, what's going to be important in the future. And it seems that this person is very future focused, like they're on a mission towards an end where they're gaining something in the future. Planting seeds to come to fruition at where this, when this person belongs, theoretically. Yeah. We cut back to 80 years in the future. They enter the apartment. Um, Ruby 
has never seen this person before. Like Cyclops knew where this person lived, the person being Doom. Um, but she had never been there. And she's like, wow, like dad told me about this, but I never imagined that he could have had such a descent because on the next page we get what doom really looks like and it's sort of like he's in a wheelchair he's hooked up to ivs and he has oxygen yes and the butler is very robotic yeah um now do we get the fun line in there about like you are not quite wasting my time but it might do you some good to bask in the presence of your superiors or like I thought that line was super fun. Mm -hmm. Like Doom has not lost his ego. No, he hasn't. Um, There's one line. There are none who can possibly deny that the final triumph belongs to Von Doom. Because he outlived everyone else. (laughs) He really did. It's like a tontine. He has now won the pot money. Yeah. Um, Then we're back to the fight with Shatterstar and Richter. Um, Guido has been thrown out of the building. Yes, he like issues ago yes two issues ago he got flung from the office so richter scrambles for the gun um and he's like i'll shoot you and sheriff Star's like do it go ahead shoot me but his eyes are glowy yeah so we know he's there's a quiet there's a weird onomatopoeia and he shot the bullet or he deflected the bullet off using his swords yes there is a clam that's all it was clam it's a funky font though clam um and richard says like good move he, he says nice save and jerry's like thanks and then he's like click 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 he's out of bullets yes and shatter star says nice move but guido comes up and grabs the sword hands and... slices a little of his own hand yes some, a little bit of blood yes and just flings Shatterstar through the ceiling. Yep. So there are a lot of saves happening. And again, we see through someone who's possessed their eyes. And it's purple. Um, yes, because we're looking. We can see what Shatterstar sees as he's flung up. And he's, he's, he's like bird level. He is. But then the person who is possessing Shatterstar is interrupted by a cop in a park because he's sitting on a park bench doing all this manipulation yes. just down the open in the public. And it, he takes the cop's club and just stabs him with it. Stabbed with a blunt object. Yep. And he's dead and he just leaves him on the bench. Um, Doom is just fully out of it. Yeah, he's thinking he's in his past in his full glory um he's monologuing he's got like a trail of eight bubbles interconnected this is layla no it is layla monologuing but oh i'm sorry dear listener yeah she has a series of it is seven bubbles going on basically explaining the path of doom um what is the path of doom he basically like eliminated anyone who spoke truth to him like anyone who was honest with him he just eliminated and he eventually just got so wrapped up in his own ego that he lost everything his power his land lost it all why he's in detroit now in a ruined apartment building 
Yeah, because if there's no one to tell you what reality actually is, then he's just living in his own bubble. Yep. Um, and Doom is like, that is a tragic tale. And Layla's like, it is rather. Is it about anyone I know? Yeah. <laughs> oh. So driving that, like driving that point home. Yep. So uh, Doom is like, you you're here because of time. You need some help, don't you? And and we get some like how time paradoxes work in comics, which is so confusing. Um, and then we see that this is all being broadcast on the screen as well. So someone is looking in. Yeah, someone lying on Doom. Yeah. Um, and it's like the government. It is the government, whatever they're left to rule. And we find out that they are the ones in control of Cortex. Yes, whatever Cortex is. Right, so it's confirmation that this person with the purple glowy eyes controlling everyone is from the future and is being like owned, manipulated somehow. Like Yes, and then we go thing. to 80 years in the past in Vermont where it's Cortex and... She had to start landing with a thud, finally. Yep. It took him a while. And we see that the dude who's controlling him, the cop is still like bent over this bench and he's still sitting there controlling the situation. Like he got back and focused on Shatterstar because the eyes are still glowy. Right. He never lost Shatterstar. Yep. So, and these text bubbles are the people in the future having their conversation with just superimposed onto the past. Yep. Um, trying to talk to him in the past. Cortex. Yes, Cortex, I need to speak to you about Madrox. Go away, you flaming twit. And um, the people in the future is like, send a pulse through. Let, let's just... Because Cortex is when like, he needs to concentrate on what he's doing. Yep. He's controlling multiple people at once. Yep. And this pulse interrupts his control because we see through Shatterstar's eyes, Guido is coming for him, and then it ultra-pixelates with a big yar. And then Shatterstar falls to the ground before he makes his attack. Yeah, he was going to stab Strong Guy in the mouth. Yeah. And um, Richter and Guido are like, whoa. And Guido's like, Rick, stay away. He's dangerous. And he's like, no. Like, I know Shatterstar. We weren't together. We dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And Shatterstar says, Richter? Yeah, it's me, dude. It's okay. Whatever happened, it's going to be fine. No worries. And then they kiss. Like, Shatterstar grabs Richter's head and pulls him in. And uh, Guido's reaction is, okay, didn't see that coming. End of issue. End of issue. Oh. That, what was the thing at the end? That was referenced at the... There was a thing of, like, the letters page is coming next issue, but there's a thing at the end of this one. It says, better mail than mold. Send us your letters. And then there's a picture of a girl in a Madrox shirt holding a lightsaber. Oh. And says, okay, okay, that's not really a miniature Madrox. That's Caroline David battling the dark side on Star Wars Weekend in Disney World. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. All right. So that's our issue. We get our gay kiss. We love gay kisses. We do. So... Things are moving along. We know the identity of who's controlling people. That is time displaced, but into the same time as where Madrox and Layla are. Yes. Bom, bom, bom. Which leads us into issue 46. 
which is a lot um, for this recap page. So it breaks it up into what happened last issue and what happened in 44, because like when plots become complicated, you sort of drop one to focus on another one. Mm -hmm. For the, like, for example, the later Wheel of Time books, yeah. you get like two or three characters instead of everyone. That's how they did it for the Song of Ice and Fire as well. Oh. Like you drop oh, yeah. you drop people for an entire book and then you go back for the next book and, you get and the it's next parallel. Set. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened last issue, 80 years from now, Madrox, Layla, and Ruby go to Detroit to speak with what's left of Victor Von Doom, possibly the only living person with enough time travel knowledge to explain what might be mucking up the timeline that leads to their future. In the meantime, Shatterstar, Richter, and Guido got into a major three-way and not the fun kind <laughs> under the unkindly influence of the mysterious Cortex, who himself is disrupted by an emergency communique 80 years hence from the presidential science advisor, Anthony Falcone, thus inadvertently freeing Shatterstar from his control. What happened in 44? That's relevant. You really didn't read 44 by this point? Seriously? Were you unable to get it because it sold out at your store? Because we hear that's been happening a lot. You might want to think about asking a retailer to put aside a copy. Anyway, Cortex. The busy little beaver managed to thoroughly insinuate himself into Monet's psyche thanks to her mental scan of Lenore's mother and has completely taken over and is endeavoring to dispose of the currently insensate Lenore because she's passed out on the couch. Yes, wine drunk. With only Darwin standing between the two of them. Oof. And just to make those who remember when Peter first announced the birth of his daughter Ariel feel old, by the time you read this, she's graduated high school. For those far too young to remember that, Caroline has just graduated kindergarten. Remember that, so when you're reading a recap page 12 years from now, you can say, oh my God, where did the time go? And you'll know how Peter feels. Oh. That's fun. Yeah. Um, also, side note, there are a ton of ads in here for Wolverine Origins. There are a ton of ads in here for fuel-efficient vehicles because these are dated um, July, August, and September of 2009 when gas prices were still high. Oh, like, yeah. What's happening happened a few months ago was basically 2008. Mm. So Wolverine Origins, the movie, right? I think so. I don't think it's the video game because that was a long time before. I feel right. I think so. There's like an original Xbox game. I had it on the PC and it was not great. Or I had the X2, X3, X3 video game. Oh. And it wasn't great. I got stuck on Iceman's level. Oh. You had to like slide around and shoot down little fire bats. It was not great. Batty bats. Batty bats. Anyway, so Cortex is where we start. He's sort of slumped over. He fell off the bench. He says... I said you have my attention, Falcone. What do you want? And they go through their plan. Cortex was supposed to get rid of James Madrox. How could he fail to do that? And Maddox or Madrox? Madrox. Oh. And so Cortex sort of goes through oh. his... Yeah, because it's John. John Maddox, James or Jamie Madrox. Right. There we go. Exactly. Yes. So we learned that Cortex uses avatars, the people with the glowy eyes. And before he was able, so this is referencing the attack in the church. Okay. Where the dude yes. was stopped, he ended up shooting himself because Madrox had disappeared into the future. And Falcone is like, apparently he's here in our time. 
how did he get here? And Cortex is like, I don't know. You're in a better position to figure it out than I am. Mm. You sent me to do a job, and because of you shouting in my head, you've made it more difficult. And then we cut to Vermont, uh, where the Cortex's thought bubble is saying, thanks to you, I lost an avatar. My hold on him was tenuous at best, thanks to his extra-dimensional nature. I'll find another way to dispose of Richter. He was a low priority anyway. Meanwhile, Richter and Shatterstar are still making out. Good for them. Yeah. Two hotties. Mm, That comes later. Anyway, Cortex waves his hand, opens some sort of portal, and the pigeons are sort of investigating the dead cop. And he's like, hey, filthy squabs, show some respect for the dead. Living creatures, opportunistic and disgusting, no matter what their kingdom or species. If I still numbered myself among them, I'd likely kill myself. Oh. So there's, Cortex is weird. Yeah. He's undead, apparently. Yeah. Oh, it is the movie X-Men Origins because there's Hugh Jackman looking jacked um, in a Got Milk ad. Oh, that's nice. Comics trying to do things for the bones of the youth of America. Yeah. I wonder what, did the milk lobby just stop those? I don't know. I I remember them, like, they started when we were in middle school. I think that long they were going. I think so. Wow, all through college. And, like, the Muppets were in them. Buffy was in them. Yeah. Like, everyone. There was, um... You know you've made it when you're in a gut milk commercial? I have one with a hockey player, Zach Parisi. From the wild. Oh. He looks real hunky in it. Oh. Um, so they went through like I think I got that in like 2015, 2016. Oh, so maybe like a full decade, decade and a half. At least, yeah. Oof. Anyway, 80 years from now, we're in the White House with Falcone and someone else. They're changing responsibility. I think you're right, Doctor. It's doomed to failure. It was your plan, Shaw. A plan, you call a few random suggestions. Shaw? Did you say Shaw? I did say Shaw. Is it Sebastian Shaw? Uh, no, it's... I wonder if he's related. Chad, Chad, where are you? Chad, is this Shaw related? It's... We need Gray Malkin Lane up in here. Unclear if it's the president who's named Shaw or another advisor. But they are past playing the blame game and mm. Falcone does not seem to be winning. So he is basically getting escorted out. Uh-oh. You need to come with us. Impossible. I have a meeting with the president in five minutes. And the people say, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Bye. So he says, makes a personal call on the disc that's cut. He has a disc on his ear, which apparently is what cell phones turn into in the future. Oh, I can believe it with earbuds. Yeah. Oh, man. Art reflecting the future. I know. When we have pads, now we have in Star Trek, but now we have iPads. I know. All sorts of tablets. Right? So, I believe this is still Falcone talking to someone else. Sort of like an ace in the hole for this whole failed plan situation. Mm. And he's telling this person, like, you're going to have to step in at just the right time. Um. And because I know you've been involved, don't try to deny it. And some dude in Paris, um, because he's doing the thing where you put the Eiffel Tower in between your fingers. Like, oh, it's so small. I just placed it here. Um, 
yeah, they are clearly in cahoots. And I the bad guy is saying, I need some people saved from an imminent sentinel attack. And I think you're just the one to do it. Mm. Cut to a very purple circuity Monet naked. It's weird. Naked Monet. And Exit Strategies is the name of the issue. And I feel like it's not the first time that that title has been used. Is it? Like mm. early? Yeah. I feel like it was a thing. Dear listener, if you can remember, let us know. Yeah. So Darwin and Monet are starting to fight. Monet is trying to get rid of Darwin and he evolves into a big squelchy thingy that she can't grab onto mm. to fling around. So, huh, do you have any idea how ridiculous you look? I can't get any sort of grip on you in your slimy besides. Oh. Like, fine. Be that way. Evolve to survive. See what I care. I have a job to do, as there's an image of Lenore passed out on the couch. So Darwin pulls his slimy self together. They start battling. And Darwin is trying so hard to get Lenore to get out, get mm-hmm. up, run away do something to protect yourself and she's just going on the couch she's super passed out she may maybe she's wine drunk snoring no as monet is diving to get to her and darwin has evolved into a big stretchy skin thing Mm. and he's gripping the doorway kind of like a trampoline so monet can't get through it's sort of like that character from doctor who where it's like skin stretched out oh yeah the last human yes but not actually skin. Yeah. Because we like skin from Generation X. He loses his hand, his grip on the door frame, and they go flying out. Finally, Lenore wakes up. But she just goes to the hole in the wall and stares. He's like, where are you? This can't be good. Not quite realizing that she's in danger, girl. Yeah. Whoopee. Where are you? Where are yeah. you to tell Lenore what's going on? Yeah. So... They go flying out of the building when he sort of drops Darwin and Cortex is on a rooftop now. So mm-hmm. he must have portaled closer yeah. to supervise. And Monet goes streaming towards the building. Now jumping to 80 years from now. Ooh. You were younger when we first met and you told me what you, I needed to tell you. And when I needed to tell you, this is Doom talking to Layla. So she told him something in the past of like, in the future, you'll need to tell us stuff. And there was something else, some other message I was to pass on to you. What was it now? (laughs) Layla says, I don't know. Doom says you will. Which is a very Layla response, which I think is funny going to Layla. Yep. So... Doom is sort of going off on your knees to me, Layla Miller. And perhaps I will share my wisdom. He's like gripping her hand at this point. And she's saying, arg. Like he's like bending her fingers backwards or like squeezing really hard. And Ruby's about to like come to her rescue. And Madrox is like, hold it. He's super fucking old. Look at Layla's hand. And she's doing like the okay symbol. Being like, it's okay. We're just playing along. Yep. Layla seems to have a relationship with Doom. Yeah. What's that about? We don't know at this point. No, we don't. And we just know. From it's a low-key mystery of this is, book. I, when we were reading this, I'm like, I really hope this is a seed that he's planting that Peter David will address later. And he does. And he does. 
but no spoilers dear listener yeah so um doom is doing this thing like this is how you show respect for your elders Lila's playing along yes doctor i'll i'll remember and do you remember what you need to know or what we need to know and there's a the second thing very important damnation what was it and Layla's like but what about the first thing yeah. ah doom locks richards couldn't create them forge could not even conceive of them only von doom only von doom there's a some emphasis happening yeah and um so there's a reference to bob marley that ruby totally misses and maddox is like this is must be what hell is like when no one gets my cultural references <laughs> which if anyone dear listener has seen farscape is sort of what john Crichton experiences when he's thrown into space and meets mm -hmm. aliens who don't know any of his references yeah so the context for these doom locks is that if you go back in time kill hitler go back to your own time nothing has changed you've only created an alternate timeline right so what you need is a doom lock a chronal variance inhibitor if you possess one then your actions will impact those of your own timeline you become an invariable all actions flow from you and Leila asks how do I get one of these get it and use it doom asks if she's cybernetic and then she says nope then you cannot use it the technology has to be bonded to you. You have to be more machine than man. Otherwise, the energies involved would tear you. Uh, wait, it's coming to me. The other thing I'm supposed to remember, nothing can thwart the mind of doom. It's coming. It's almost. Ruby's losing patience. And the second thing that doom was supposed to say is duck. Oh. As sentinels, we get a full page spread of sentinels ripping off the roof of the building. And we get like the actual doom, not his, not his perception of himself. Mm. So flashback to present time. Lenore is still gaping at the gaping hole in her wall. Girl move. Right? As Monet is starting to fly in there. And we get a lot of discussion from Cortex. Darwin gave me more trouble than he should. Yes, I feel Monet rooting around in there. She's not happy. Apparently, she has unfond memories of being in a mental thrall to others. Yeah. I'm not sure if, when I'm done, I should simply vacate the premises or stick around to see if I can thoroughly break her. And there's some sort of, like, pink thunderbolt cloud that's happening. Hmm. What now? Something hit her. Hit us. What fates have allied to protect this one damned girl? She has the luck of the dot, dot, dot. Irish. Oh, dot, dot, dot. We know an Irish person. It's Siren. Who's trying to be super nice. Don't worry, Monet, whoever's done this to you will undo it. And Cortex speaking through her is doing the whole, like, I'd worry more about you. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and we find out that Siren is there because of the conversation with Val. So there's a little bit of a flashback in the middle of the page. Okay. And um, Val is saying, has it occurred to you that Darwin might be in danger? And Siren's like, don't be silly, Val. Monet is with him. And Val's like, yeah, Monet, who you said underwent some type of psychic attack in the hospital. And right after that, couldn't wait to be alone with your client. No. I like, I, from just my context with this, I really like Val Cooper. I know. 
So I think this is where we continue demanding like a Marvel legend, Val Cooper. Yeah, but what what, what version? The bun, the cane, the bun with the dead government worker eyes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so we get some battle scenes. There's some ease. And yeah, Cortex is creepy. I derive some deep amusement when I hear scream. So sure, Siren, keep screaming. It's their sheer uselessness that I find. And then he's like, now what's happening? And there's a Meganoid Sentinels just popping up. Mm. That doesn't make any sense at all. They're from the future because they are in their Sentinel voices saying, two mutants identified from archive records as Teresa Cassidy, deceased, and Monet St. Croix, deceased. Oh, that's not good news. No, well, Layla did say that the team was all dead. Yes. No, I mean, it's not good news that, like, Sentinels from the future are showing up. Future Sentinels are never good. No. And (laughs) Cortex is saying, this is like an assassination undertaken by committee. No one's clearing anything with anyone else. Where did they come from? And they came from Trevor Fitzroy. Jumping from the future. He and Ruby are real chummy. They are. But earlier in the issue, the bad guys were like, I need you to make a save from Sentinels. And Fitzroy was talking to the bad person. Mm -hmm. So um, Maddox is having a hard time believing it. Fitzroy, as in totally evil major villain from the future, Trevor Fitzroy. And he's like, yep, you and Nubiku to the rebellion, the more the merrier. And he's trying to get them to the rebellion to a successful conclusion. What a there's a lot going on. There is. And it's crossing 80 years of time. I know. And dear listener, thank you for bearing with us with the whole time jumping thing as you read through. And as you read through, there's a lot of time jumps. Yes. And sometimes the transitions are fun with like either words or the way that sentence fragments sort of blend into the next, which I'm thinking is sort of a hallmark of Peter David. Yeah. We've seen that in multiple issues. Yes. It happens in Captain Marvel as well. Oh, his run of Captain Marvel. Yeah. Like used to go to fact and they're fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoy them. I do too. So yeah, we still have Monet all purple and circuitry controlled by Cortex. Yes. We have future Sentinels now in the past. Um, we have the appearance of Fitzroy in the future. Yeah. I didn't expect that at all. She's probably going to screw up something. Yep. With Doom and Madrox. Yeah. yeah, but at least Victor and Shatterstar are still busy making out in Vermont. Good for them. With Strong Eye standing nearby. Yes. Very confused. Being a supportive friend. Maybe, like, are we are we fighting? Are we not fighting? I'm giving you you're, space. You're but fighting what? with your tongues. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, very exciting. This is sort of why I burned through so many issues all at once reading them. Yeah, because it, like, late. even if we reviewed just one issue in this episode, like we'd still be in the same point of like in the middle of a bunch of stories. Yes. We went through three issues and we're still in the middle of a bunch of stories. But they're progressing. Yeah, like, they are. We're it's... getting detail. So like if they tried to squish these arcs into an issue, it would have been not great. Yeah. So many beats <laughs> would have had to be left on the editing floor. Current day comics? Shade. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Dear listener, what did you think? 
Well, how do you feel about Monet also being taken over yeah. again? Yeah. Um, let us know. We will catch you back here next time with more issues. Do you trust this young Fitzroy? Uh, I don't know if I do. I don't think we should. We have the contact in the at issue. Even with we didn't no see who con- it was. Yeah. It, it was the big reveal at the end. Yes. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining us. Catch us out. Catch us on Instagram at X Factor Files Podcast. Yes. And we will chat with you soon. Three more issues leading up to a very big, thick issue 200. Thick. Very thick. Bye. Bye.